Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book.thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com, where you can get a copy of my number one bestselling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself, and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guest, Warren Kenna, who is a behavioral strategist of 25 years and the creator of The Critter Code, which I'm incredibly excited to have this conversation with you, Warren. How are you, my friend? What is going on in your world today? 
Doing uh, really well, Michael, and really fantastic to be here with uh, you and your extensive audience. And, uh, you know, really looking forward to sharing, um, you know, some insights around the things that I've learned uh, about relationships over, uh, over the next, over the last 26, uh, 27 years. Yeah, I'm very excited to, you know, I think people often, maybe just because it's a forest for the trees kind of thing, while we are in relationships in all capacities at all times, sometimes I think that we forget that. And so I, I would really love to know a little bit about your, your background, your journey, and what's kind of brought you to where you are today. Yeah, look, um, I started out my first career as, as a, it may seem a little bit strange, as a uh, engineer. And probably that was one of the greatest things that's uh, brought insight to the work that I've done over the last 20 plus years. Because an engineer, you're actually looking at why do things actually happen? You're looking at you're looking at patterns. You're looking at areas of sustainability. You're looking with a curious mind about how things are manifested and created. Um, I, 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 I transitioned out of that and went into a sales role, which I became incredibly interested in how people do what they do. And, uh, the, you know, the work that I've been doing now for the last 20 years provided me a bit of an opportunity to uh, take an engineering framework about how, how are some people successful and really good at stuff and how do the rest of us actually just kind of bumble around looking for the light switch in the dark? And so that's been an absolutely fascinating journey over the last um, uh, 20 plus years, as I've mentioned, through uh, personal relationships, through a lot of corporate work, through a lot of work with elite sports people fundamentally trying to understand how they they do what they do both for good and bad one of the things i've always been curious about like to an extent i definitely consider myself to be a high performer but there's also levels right and i, I think i'm still yeah. trying to figure out how to go to the next level and i think most people are i i, I would argue that most people despite what we may believe, are actually not as satisfied with their life as they'd like to be because they want to accomplish more, achieve more, have more fulfillment, more love, more hope, more empathy, more everything. What is it that you think these people who you've studied over the years, who are these incredibly high performers and incredibly successful people, what do they have in common that we all have, but we just haven't tapped into yet? Oh, look, a, a, a great question, and and I think the and I think high performance is probably a term that's that's overused sometimes and and misunder and misunderstood. You know, to the point where it's almost a bit of a glib term sometimes. If we look at the people that are really really amazing in their field, they absolutely understand who they are. They're really clear on what they're trying to do. And the third point, and most of us have kind of got versions of that. And the third point being is, is that they tend to go really overweight into being very specific and very focused and very disciplined about certain areas of their world that they want to make better. There is no free ride here. And, and so with some of, the, some of the really high performing people that I'm working with at the moment, I'm actually suggesting that they go and have a look at documentaries of people who are absolutely world-class in their area. People like uh, you know, David Foster, Robin Williams, uh, David Geffen, uh, even to some extent Tiger Woods. All of those people are absolutely amazing in a certain area, but they have sacrificed enormous areas of their life for a win in a, in, in a certain area. So, and I'm not suggesting we all need to be turning into, you know, um, uh, you know, people with uh, who treat people badly or people with depression. Because if you look at all of those guys, and th there, there was areas of their life that were absolutely terrible. 
So if I, for, to answer your question simply, people that excel at outcomes in a certain area are absolutely, absolutely prepared to be focused, disciplined, and do things that most other people won't do. That's fascinating to me because, and I think you're right, there's a trade-off to to get what you want to have in life. You kind of have to give something up. I think, unfortunately, kind of the the precursor for that often is people. It's often relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Why do you think that is? Look, I think to be, you know, to be brilliantly successful at something, let's say, in a career, you, you actually have to prioritize that over pretty well everything else. And to some degree, it's selfish. And and look, if we look at it through the other way, you know, if, if I want to be, if I want to do a lot of charity work, then to some degree, I need to over-reference that over other things. I need to prioritise. I need to do more of that. If you look at the success that you've had with your show, I bet there's some days you just don't want to do it. I bet there's some days you'd much prefer to go to the beach and have coffee with your friends than kind of go, oh, my goodness, I need to get up and do this thing again, right? Your, you know, your success has been on the fact that you've actually prioritised this in your audience over things that I'm sure some of your friends kind of go, geez, you know, I wish I could see a bit more of it. But he's so busy yeah. doing his thing. So, so the, the, the concept that, that utopia exists and that, that, that you know, you know uh, work-life balance is this amazing, blissful thing, all that does is sell the Harvard Business Review and magazines like that. That's all that does, you know. I'd actually argue to some degree that, that sure, you can be 50-50, and, and that's probably great. There's no criticism of that, right? It, it, each, each person's working their own journey, right? Each person is carrying their own backpacks. Each person is finding their own level of personal mastery. So in no way am I critical, but broadly what I might suggest, if you have a lot of things equally weighted at 50-50, you can end up with nothing. Mm, that That's really powerful. You know, and, and, and yes, I, I think that, there are many people in my life who are like, man, you're, you're a workaholic. But I'll yeah. tell you this, Warren, I, I don't feel that way because I'm no. very driven in what I'm trying to do. And, and I try to be as good as I can about not sacrificing friendships or relationships or community. But like, to be honest with you, sometimes by proxy, it just happens because I'm so zeroed in. Perfect example. I mean, look at this. It's a Saturday afternoon and you and I are sitting here having a conversation. And to me, I look at this and I go, this conversation today could be so impactful in somebody's life that it creates this massive change that I'm willing to not go to the beach and have coffee today, even though I know that would be a really fun thing to do. Now, in context, of course, on occasion, I take a break, I will turn off, I will go and have those experiences. But I feel like the only time I've ever had real success in my life and, and massively focused I, I, I think about this a lot, and I wonder if this concept of work-life balance is just nonsensical. And what I mean by that is it's one thing to go and have a job and you work for a company and you get to come home and turn it off. I've been there. I've had that job, and that's really easy. Yeah. But I think when you're trying to build something, you're trying to create whatever it is in terms of the life that you want to have, I don't think you can balance it because ultimately it feels Mm, neglectful to try to balance creating the life that you want to have. Like, does that resonate with you in any capacity? Uh, totally agree. Totally agree. And I, and I almost take that even further, Michael, to kind of go, what what your version of balance and my version of balance might be absolutely different to someone else's. 
and, and and they might look at they might look at you and me and kind of go, all right, these guys never rest. They're workaholics. They must be unhappy. And we're actually kind of going, well, not really. Um, um, and we might look at them and kind of go, geez, if you just get out of bed a little bit earlier. And do, 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 do you know what I mean? I, I will never forget a um, uh, a quick story. I, I worked work with a with gentleman 30 years ago and run into him in the street. This must have been about 12 or 18 months ago. And I said, to, and, and uh, Phil was his name, and I said to Phil, look, we must catch up for a beer. It'd be wonderful to kind of catch up. And um, I said to him, and we, we were actually in the same career together and in an engineering career together. And I said to him, what are you doing, Phil? And he said, I'm still an engineer. And I went, wow. Wow, that must be really, you know, tell me about that. And he's done some pretty amazing things around that. And he said, uh, you, you know, you remember my, you, you know, you remember my wife, Jackie. And I said, of course I do. I was there when you guys met. I went to the wedding. Of course I remember Jackie. He said, I'm still married to Jackie. And I went, wow. And he said, remember the house that I, uh, that Jackie and I first moved into? And I said, yeah. He said, we're still in that house. And I'm kind of going, Wow. And it was really interesting, and, and, and he's just such a great guy, you know, really relaxed, had, had four kids and coached all the basketball teams and, 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 and baseball teams and did all of that. And he said to me, you know, what are you up to? I, I said, oh, you know, I've lived overseas and, and uh, you know, I've had a series of careers and this is what I'm trying to do now. And it was a really great moment where Phil said to me, sounds like you're really restless. And, 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 it was interesting. I came home to my wife and I actually said, I'm wondering what, what it would have been like, what Phil's had an opportunity to do. Because it's interesting we're at the same starting point and now we're diametrically opposed. And it was, and I, and I, and I wondered what he'd actually had that being over-relaxed has allowed him to actually have. Um, and uh, whereas, in, whereas in my case, um, uh, you know, I'd been a bit more driven or restless or something like that. And uh, that it afforded other things. So I think there's some really great examples. I could, I could easily look out a judgmental window and kind of go, geez, if you'd have just were a bit more driven and weren't so relaxed, imagine what you could have had, right? And he's looking at me and kind of going, geez, you must never rest. Yeah, that's a, such a fascinating juxtaposition to me because, you know, I, I look at people and one of the greatest things that I think I've come to understand probably within the last year is, you know, we're all having a human experience and nobody's really right. Nobody's really wrong. We're all just trying to figure out what is the best thing for us. And, you know, there are people who they want the, the family and the kids and to coach the games and that brings them fulfillment. And I think, I think, Warren, that is the word that you have to leverage Spot when you're on. thinking about how you spend your time. Because to me, fulfillment is everything. And because of that, it pushes me and drives me to go, okay, what do I need to do to make my life feel like it's exactly what I want it to be? And there may be a moment in time where it comes where I'm like, actually, you know what? I want the, the wife and white picket fence and four kids and coach all the games. I don't know. You know, I just always try to live present in this moment and say, who am I today right now? Well, One of the things that I'm, I'm really fascinated by, though, is, is relationships and why they are so important to us and why often probably more so than not, we we fail to understand the importance of that. I'd love for you to talk and dive into that, especially being the relationship expert that you are. Yeah, and, and look, we know we, we can't get away from relationships. Even if you're a single person, you've probably got friends you relate at work. It, 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 it's, you know, we, we, we live in a world where we need to interact and enable people 
um, uh, in, in, in multiples of ways. All the research and, and you know, people like Martin Seligman, Seligman have done an a, amazing job uh, over the last 20 years about looking at happiness. All the research proves that that um, we actually thrive better in, in tribes. We're, we're tribal animals. We work better when we're connected with groups of, you know, potentially like-minded people. We, um, uh, we extend our lives through happiness in relationships and connecting with others. But if I, if I, if I, if I take this somewhere else, is, is my experiences and the things, things that I've learned is, is that what we do when we're either in a, in a personal relationship or even in a, in a work relationship or just with friends is that we're, we're, we're getting somewhat attracted to people who are somewhat like us but also who are somewhat different to us. And, and philosophically, my perception is on this, is, is that to some degree we get attracted to someone, certainly in a personal relationship, a, a, you know, a long-term life partner relationship, of someone that has a piece that we don't have. So if I make it really, really simple, you know, the, the, the perfectionistic person who likes all the socks, and, you know, all lined up and the dishwasher stacked in a certain way, attracts in their life the person who is free and makes plans on a whimsical and is ignore, uh, is enormously disorganized. Now, they're probably two extremes, right? What we're not comfortable with is actually finding someone who's exactly like us. No one wants to come home consistently and think of this as an analogy and find someone sitting in your favorite chair. Right. No one wants to come home and uh, find that after you perfectly stacked the dishwasher, someone else has restacked it. No one wants to kind of do that. Right. We, we get really cranky you know, and it's not going to work if you're in a relationship, if you're a bit whimsical and you're in a relationship with let's make plans on the fly and let's do make stuff up as we go along. If both of you are like that, nothing's going to happen. You, your phone bill and electricity bill is never going to be paid. So we kind of, you know, we kind of work that out to some degree. So we're, from my perspective, we're attracted to people in our lives who, who, who are somewhat similar and have got similar values to us, but almost diametrically opposed in pieces that we don't have. And we're meant to learn. We're not meant to grow and become one. I know the Mills and Boons, you know, novels would be have that, you know, finally I feel complete when I found someone else and I, I ride off into the sunset with a white picket feds, 2.7 kids and a black dog and, and, you know, rainbows are appearing everywhere and everything's kind of happy. I know, again, that sells magazines and sells romance models, but it doesn't kind of pan out that way. Yeah. And what I think is really interesting about that, too, is, you know, we often... I think subconsciously go towards those people. I, I I don't know that ever in my life I've ever really sat down, put like a line down a piece of paper and said, let me go find the polar opposite human being mm. that I'm going to connect with in whatever capacity. Why do you think it's so inherently a part of the human experience to, to go to that polar opposite? Look, I, I think this, what, what we are trying to do, we are trying to complete ourselves. We are trying to learn. Right. So if you're in a relationship with someone and let's say that that person's very meticulous and you're let me let me stick with the same example, very meticulous and and you're very free. What you're from my perspective, what we're meant to do is we're meant to kind of go, look, they've got a bit that I don't have. They've got discipline. They've got focus. They've got execution. They've got order. They don't have freedom. Right. That's OK. I've got that bit. I need perhaps need to learn how to be a bit more discipline, ordered, focused. Um, uh, in my life, not the way that they do it, 
not the way that they do it, but by the way that I do it. So what, from a freedom perspective, what does a little bit more discipline and order look like? And conversely, the other person who's, who's, who's you know, spends 20 minutes, um, you know, organising the sock drawer and, uh, you know, putting all the, you know, the shirts and the clothes in the right order, which is fantastic, by the way, easy to find, could actually kind of go, look, today, I'm not going to wear the shirt marked, you know, I'm not going to wear the shirt marked Saturday. I might actually just kind of go, which is it I just really love to wear today? And, and they're not to meant to do it the way that the other person does it. They're meant to actually kind of go, what's the essence of who they are? And I'm attracted to that. There's something about that that I like. And so, there's sometimes about it, it annoys the hell out of me. But, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're the rub points, right? So, you know, so sometimes it's too much. Sometimes they're unplanned is too much. But what can I take from, from who they are and put it into my world? So that, so that I have more personal mastery, so that I have a better understanding, so that I'm a better human being. And, and in that, how do you, so one of the things I think is really fascinating in, in the dichotomy of relationships is when you have these polar opposites, sometimes you have this narrative that begins to play out where suddenly one person wants the other person to kind of come on board to their lifestyle. Yeah. What are, like, is that control thing? Is that a, like, uh, this is a comfort thing? Where does that aspect come from? Because I've seen it just as some people want more control, some people want more freedom, and then there's this ebb and flow of, like, can I bring you to my side? Yeah, yeah. And, and look, um, uh, so, and welcome to the human race, right? You know, we're, 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 not, we're not trained in relationships, right? We're we're, we're, that's not we're not we're not trained in that stuff at all. And, you know, when when we get a few years under our belt, we kind of work out. Ah, oh, I understand where my first seven marriages went. Right, I say that with a smile on my face. Right, but you know, I understand where you know, where we went wrong. You know, we're kind of trained to you know grow up and you know the quarterback marries the cheerleader and all of that type of, all, all of that type of things. And so where this kind of comes to, if we can value differences. So if we can kind of go, and let's say I'm the freedom person in the relationship, and if I can kind of go, I really value how when we go away on a holiday, um, how when, when either you open your bag or I open my bag, there's everything in order. I can absolutely see how everything's in order. I really kind of value that, and that really helps us as a couple. So what I've now done, this is not about, this is not about, you, you know, you need to dial down on the, you know, on the, um, uh, on the perfectionistic, um, you know, get it right stuff all the time. You need to come across to my side. This is not a, the moment that that happens. There's either a blip in the relationship or the moment the cement sets around that, Michael, I can tell you where the relationship's headed. We're heading for divorce and we're cutting up the dog where, you know, there's the heart, your half of the dog, there's my half. It, it, that never goes well. So when it becomes about you need to come to mine or I need to go to yours, I can tell you long term that's not going to that, that the, the relationship is the beginning of the end. Now, if it's a little blip, I, there, there's nothing kind of wrong with that. But the moment it sets, it's a problem. What we're actually meant to do, we're almost meant to create a co-created space where at least fifty-one percent of the time, I'm actually contributing to that. I'm contributing to our relationship. It's not about you need to be more like me. And by the way, that'd probably make me feel comfortable, but I get pretty bored with that, by the way. Or I need to be more like you, which means I need to give myself away. And at some point I'm going to get resentful 
and you know and run off and find the next door neighbor a bit attractive and go and refine myself i see it all the time in careers where people get into a job they want to prove themselves they overwork themselves they take on too much they lose themselves within a role they lose their anchor and their identity then all of a sudden they need to resign to actually go and find themselves again and start the whole process again we see that in personal relationships the whole time so no one wants no one wants to not be themselves there's no doubt about that but it's this bit about this co-created space about understanding the differences and actually contributing to something greater than ourselves where do you find the balance and it's funny because we're coming back to this mm. where do you find the balance of a taking care of yourself versus b and the other side of it really trying to focus on understanding your partner Look, that is such a that is such a great question, and and that that, that is create and adjust every day. That is create and adjust every day. I, you know, there's almost and and and, and so there's got to be a balance, you know, for each individual, and there's got to be a balance for a couple. And again, it's not the stuff that we kind of talk about. It's not the stuff that we that we tend to get into a relationship and basically say, look, I like. I, I really like my time alone and my time alone looks like, you know, um, you know, going for long walks by myself on every Saturday afternoon. You know, how does that fit with you? How would that work for us? So it's it, it, this is a negotiated process. This is a transparent process. And I think that, you know, you, you know, really good long term relationships, we get to learn about ourselves and we get to learn about another individual. And the challenge is actually how do we keep having these uh, these these really important discussions about um, are you feeling valued? Are you getting your needs needs met? That's for each couple, each person in the relationship. But also, how are we going as a couple? You know, how, how are we getting that balance right? Am I am I listening too much? Am I talking not enough? Am I am I you know am I too unplanned? Are we you know counting too many socks on Thursday morning? I think it's 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 those discussions that we need to become a lot more sophisticated about, and I know that yeah. that sounds re re really simple and kind of come on, Warren. It's got to you know give 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 me something a bit more headline and a bit more smashing than that, right? But I think that's the that's the practicalities of any great um, uh, friendship, personal relationship, business relationship that that really goes around calibrating around uh, who we are and what we're trying to do. Yeah. And, and, and for a moment there, I thought to myself, you know, that sounds so rudimentary, right? <laughs> it sounds so simple. And, and why is it that we overcome? That, I really don't know. That's, that, that's a really great question. That's a, that's, a, that's a really good. Well, it takes courage to lean in, right? Mm. You know, it really takes courage to lean in and kind of go, how really are we going? Right. Or, you know, all, all, all jokes aside, you know, if we were recommitting today, would, you know, would you do that? And it's, you know, because it might, might be, you know, the answer goes back, well, not today. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily 
Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. Okay. You know, what adjustments do we need to, you know, what adjustments do we need to, it's the courage of having a vulnerable conversation where you're putting yourself on the line to kind of go, I don't feel like I'm getting enough of me. Now, so normally what we do is we don't have that. And we run away. We either run away with our friends or our mates or, you know, you know, we start talking to the attractive neighbour over the fence or, you know, we go to the hook, we go to the track or, you know, we do something, you know, we do something. Now, I think all of that's okay. But, you know, we, you know we're, we're not having the discussion. We're not having the vulnerable discussion or, or the correct understanding with, by the way, the person that we've, you know, in a two, three year, five, 30 year relationship with. And, you know, all jokes aside, then gets very expensive when you when, yeah. you, when you start having those conversations elsewhere. Mm. It really yeah, gets. And, it, and that doesn't even necessarily mean monetary. Right. That's that's no. emotional. Right. That the, the currency yeah. is your soul. <laughs> Hold on. And, and of course, because here's the engineer in me, Michael, then there's the pattern again. Hmm. Right. And, and, you know, if we talk about a personal relationship, we see a lot, a lot of people jump into a personal relationship, get overly committed, lose their anchor, lose themselves, you know, end up, you know, you know, de- you know, committing, you know, over, you know, over committing, you know, then washing their partner's car, walking their dog. And they've only been dating for, you know, for, you know, for two or three, you know, two or three weeks. Then all of a sudden, you know, then the other partner kind of goes, oh, this is pretty fantastic. Oh, listen, can you pick me up from work tomorrow? Oh, I've got a couple of things on with your girlfriend. Oh, we'll, we'll just cancel that. And, and all of a sudden, you know, there's a little pattern of that that goes on for six months that, of course, the person basically says, I can't do this anymore. There's nothing in me in this. So, again, you know, that we, we, we pull away, break that relationship, go and find ourselves, and we start again. We're so much creatures of predictable habit that we don't want to kind of look at. And unless that changes, we're going to get the same result every time. This is what I've learned over 26 years. Unless I actually change what I'm doing, unless I change. And I saw a great quote from Jordan B. Peterson the other day that basically said, you know, your thinking is so important because it drives your perception, then drives your decisions, and it drives your actions. So what you think about something is really kind of, you know, in, in the big scheme of things, thinking is, you know, kind of nothing. But when you actually link it that way like he like he did, and he's so right. Yeah. And then we go back to that example I just had and the person got in, I'm really in love with this person. I really want to commit. I really want to give them all. I really want to show them everything I am. I really want to show them my heart. And, you know, all, all, all the friends are kind of, here we go again. Mm. <laughs> see you in six months, right? Because we won't see you for the next six because you'll be too busy, you know, you know, over loving and over committing. And, and in six months time, we know what will happen. You'll, you'll, you'll pop out of that relationship because you've lost yourself and connect a bit with us until you find the, the next person that you can over commit to. And, and in that, you know, I, I, I know, and so I won't spoil the surprise because I know that you're going to dive into this. 
about the relationship of kind of this and how they play into what you've deemed the critter code and how we can understand kind of like the animalistic relation that we have as human beings in relationships? Yeah, look, and, and this, this has been on my mind for many years. How do we actually make this fun? So, so really a couple of distinctions here about the critic code. The critic code is not about, it's not, it's not about um, me. So quite often there's, there's a million personality profiles out there that you can actually find out about, you know, what Disney princess you are, whether, you know, where you are in Myers-Briggs, all of that. So, and it really is fascinating, you know, as we've, um, as um, uh, my business partner, myself, Karen McCready, myself, have actually been playing with this concept of the criticate. And most people are kind of going, I'm wondering what I am. Kind of going, isn't it interesting? Uh, you're actually in a relationship. Wouldn't it be great to actually show some interest in your partner, to have some great understanding of your partner? So the, so the critic code's really designed, if we start back to where it kind of started from, is a fun and interesting way where you can actually answer some questions and get a profile back about your partner. And so th that gives some really great insights into the person that you're in a relationship with. And wouldn't it be great if the other person did the same and you actually sat down and had a cup of coffee and shared the results and basically kind of go, I know, I, I, you know, I know this is how I feel about me and this is what I think I know about me and I've been living with me for a while, so I, I think I know quite a bit about me. Isn't it interesting as you, the person, and I've chosen to be in a love relationship, how you perceive me? We're, we're, mm, we're getting that sounds some dangerous. <laughs> Woo! -hoo! Yeah, let's let's not be too risky on a Saturday, right? <laughs> We've had people write back and say, "Listen, I've been married for twenty five years, and there are elements of this. There are elements of my, my of my partner that I've never understood, and more to the point, I never realised that that I I was projecting myself in a certain way." The, the, the great, the, uh, uh, you know, the great psychologist uh, Bob Hogan um, talks about we have an we have identity and uh, reputation. So identity is about why do I think I'm doing things. So identity can be about you know um, you know Michael you, you you know you you and some friends are coming over for, for lunch. I really need to get this right. I, I, I you know they're really great friends of mine. I really want them to have a great time. So I'm going overboard. I'm polishing all the toilets. I'm vacuuming the house. I'm cutting the lawn. Um, you know I'm I'm setting up the house for Vogue magazine shoot. Just about right. That's that that's really kind of important. And, and, and my wife might kind of go to me, my goodness, you know, you are punitive, perfectionistic, angry, anxious. So there's the difference. So, that, so the, uh, that's not my perception of what I'm doing. My perception is I want to get it right. This is really important to me. So my identity is I really care about Michael and, and his friends. I want them to have a great experience. I want to showcase um, some really great cooking that I can do. I want everyone to have an amazing time. So that's my identity. That's what I'm trying to do. And of course, what, what we see in the outside world is that I'm cranky, I'm snitchy, I'm short, um, I'm perfectionistic, I need to get it right, I'm running around like a trick with my head cut off, I'm not communicating. So that's the difference between identity and reputation. Bob Hogan had it exactly right. So what we're very good at doing is actually working out our own identity now. And that's okay if you want to live in a cave and not talk to anyone. And I think there's a place for self-awareness and self-development. But when you're in a relationship, this is very much about having the courage about actually kind of um, uh, sharing with someone about a perception about how, how they view you and how you view them. 
So this is a bit suit of the pants stuff, right? This is not kind of something you wouldn't do without a couple of, um, you know, a stiff cups of coffee under your belt. But, but it is courageous again, right? And would we would we love to know what they really think of us? Everyone I've ever asked that question to has said absolutely right. I would really like to know what my wife really, really thinks of me, right? So we want to know that, but do we have the actual courage to kind of do that? So the Critic Cave was kind of founded in a way to kind of go, let's tip this thing on its head a bit. Let's not kind of, you know, you know, do the, you know, millions of, as I mentioned, millions of uh, personality profiles out there where people can actually go and find out about themselves. So we've taken, we've taken known traits of nine critters and they're bits of fun. So you've got the busy bee, which is a bit perfectionistic. And we're trying to make this a little bit of fun so and not take it too seriously. Um, we've got the, the the lap dog who always wags their tail and just loves to see people and very loving. We've got the peacock who's actually a real, um, very much about me and look at success and aren't I amazing and it's all about me. We've got the zebra who's very unique, different concept with the zebra was they're actually a horse, but they're not really a kind of horse. They're a unique, don't belong type of person. We've got the owl, which is all about knowledge and loves to keep to themselves. We've got the sheep who's very, very loyal. We've got the chimp who's a pile of fun to be around, but always free and whimsical and doing things. We've got the rhino who's quite domineering and a great leader. And we've got the jellyfish who just kind of floats along. So what we did is we took some, some lovable critter characters and we broke them down into three areas. We broke them down into what truly drives the motivation of each one of those critters. Now, this is the stuff that you and I were talking about a little bit earlier. The second thing is, what are they really, what's their real strengths? And the third thing is, which is what we call the hero code. And the third thing is, is what we call their villain code. What's the thing that they consistently do that drives you insane and probably ends up destroying the relationship? And in that, when, when you go through that and you sit down and you find this out, is there is there a level of this in which, and it's probably a, a discussion between partners to determine this, but is there a level in which you go, oh, this is clearly, there's so much evidence here that this is not a plausible relationship. The continuation of this is probably more harm than good. You know, we should just shake hands, walk away. Like, like how do you, how do you digest this information in a practical way to decide, okay, cool. Now we know more about each other. Let's go all in or, oh shit, we know more about each other. Time to hit the eject button. So I think it really brings a great discussion to kind of go, wow, uh, well, first of all, is, is that my, my experience is when someone brings me feedback like that and I've been through it, I kind of go, okay, how much of this do I, let's just accept it as, uh, let's accept it as true just for a moment. All right, let's, so let's explore. So the first point is, is don't react and find, you know, I had a really great response the other day when someone said, look, all the positives are true, all the negatives are wrong. I kind of got it, understand, right? <laughs> well done. You're high up on the growth curve, right? <laughs> So, so first of all, I would say if anyone brings you feedback or if anyone brings you this stuff, just kind of go, okay, let me explore. Let's, let's, let's explore to what degree both of us think that this is true. And if we agree it's wrong, then that's fine. That's, but we've had a discussion about that. Then I think there's a wonderful way, and, and in the um, we've got a report called the Curb Your Critter Report, right? So it really focuses on the villain code of your partner, the bits that's really kind of annoying. And, and there's a really simple five-step process. First-step process is, Michael, you've actually got to own your reaction when your partner is doing their thing. You've actually got to own that what it's pressing within you. The second thing you actually do is to stop reacting to that. So we've got, to, we've got the first thing is called own it. The second thing is called park it. 
And park it is very much actually about just stop reacting, stop trying, stop trying to get even. Uh, uh, you know, stop. You know, stop um, fighting what's kind of going on and reacting to your own triggers. The third thing is actually called hug it, and hug it is actually about having empathy and actually kind of going, look, my partner's probably having a bad day. I can see what they're doing. Something's changed in their world. How can I be supportive rather than critical? The uh, the fourth element is uh, say it. And what we've actually done is we've constructed ways that you can actually speak your truth in a manner that will be heard to your partner, depending on what type of critter they are. And the, and the fifth thing is, is actually bank it. And bank it is very much about how do we take what we've learned and move forward? Now, coming back to your point, Michael, if I'm, if I'm rigid, if I don't want to shift, if I don't want to give anything, if I don't want to collaborate, if I don't want to add anything to that joint, what I would call as we space, then the relationship is pretty well done. And I think what you know some of these conversations can actually bring is actually bring greater empathy in the relationship. But I also think it brings greater sense around, look, I'm just not prepared to shift on that, which actually then causes you to might kind of go, is this really for me? Yeah, and I think so much of that sounds like in this, you have to assess whether or not Again, coming to your point, like, is this accurate? Is this true of who I am? You know, and I think one of the hard parts about whenever you take one of the, these personality tests, whether they be Myers-Briggs or Enneagrams or, or whatever, is like, to an extent, it almost feels like, who am I today right now in this moment that's going to determine the answers to these questions? Whereas yeah. what it sounds like more so here, you're like, can I take a deep dive into really trying to evaluate and understand who I am in general every day, not just in this moment? Spot how, on. How do you, why do people lie on these tests? Oh, uh, to, 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 to protect our identity, you know, to validate who we are. What we know, what we know, Michael, is, is that we've all, got a, we've all got a map of the world. We've all got a uh, what we value in the world. You know, if, I, if you and I were to get together and go for a beer and I'd say, Michael, you've lived an amazing life. What do you think is absolutely important to be successful in the world? Now, if I wrote those down, that would be your map of the world. Right, you need to be kind, you need to be generous, you need to be this, you need to work hard, you need to do this, you need to do that. Okay, that's fantastic. That's that's your map of the world. And so what we don't want to do is, and by the way, when we meet when we meet when we meet someone else whose map is totally different, whose DNA code is totally different about the way that they navigate the world, that's where that's where fights begin. Right? So if I was to say to you, look, I totally disagree, I think we need to be um, uh, conniving, underhanded, manipulative and just find rich people that we can live off. Now, that's probably going to be a pretty short discussion between you and I, right? You're probably not going to say, wow, I found a kindred spirit and, um, uh, you know, let's plan out our life together. You know, it, it's it, 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 we're going to fight against that. So first thing that we actually do and the reason why we react is we're trying to protect how we make sense of the world. And what we know from, uh, from all the research that if, we're, if we can't make sense of what's going on, we will, never, we will never be in a relationship, we'll never perform to a high level. So the reason why that I, that I want to reject things that could, be possibly, that could be possibly right, wrong or inaccurate is because I need to protect myself. And I find it so fascinating that we get in, in the Critico, we get your partner to feel in questions about you and then potentially bring, your, bring, bring, bring some findings to you to kind of go, wow, not all of this is accurate. And by the way, there's nothing that's 100% accurate. You want that, 
pay someone to follow you around for about two weeks and watch everything you do. So, so while, while all of these things are technically accurate, they're not 100% accurate. And of course, you can find fault in anything if that's really what you want to do. So we encourage people to kind of go, look for the things that, that resonate and you might know to be true. And isn't it great when your partner actually comes to you and basically says, look, I've got something here, 50, 60, 70% I agree with. And I'd like to share with you about what this says because this aligns with my perception. Now, I'm kind of having a, you know, a stiff cup of coffee at that point in time to kind of go, right, let's, let's strap on for this one. And, of course, my thing to do is not to find fault with it. Well, why did you do that? I disagree. Totally wrong. You know, that, that's not going to build a loving, you know, mature, mature uh, you know, uh, growth-focused relationship. And this stuff's not this, – this stuff's fun, but it's also tough. Yeah. And I, I think also a huge part of it is being willing to reconcile the fact that you don't actually know everything about yourself. Spot on. And, and that to me is really mind blowing because you're like, well, I'm only me every single second of every single day. How, yeah. how could that possibly be? And so when people get to this place where, where they come through and they discover, you know, I, I did I did one of Jordan Peterson's tests recently and I just thought to myself for a moment, I was like, damn, I really don't know who I am. Like, mm. because there's mm. so much depth of, of mm. the human capacity. And, mm. you know, you think that there's research that says we have 6,000 thoughts a day and up to 60,000 thoughts yeah. a day. And, yeah. and so when, when you understand that and you look at that knowing and looking at the, the subconscious programming and conditioning that 95% of your thoughts are made subconsciously, you know, you're only really tell you so much about yourself. And so having that reflection, I think that is one of the most important things that we can do. I'm going to tell you right now, there are people listening who are like, this sounds great, but I am so scared of the idea of doing this. It's intimidating. <laughs> it's frightening. It feels alarming. Yeah. What would you say to them? Look, if, if, if you... So there's a couple of ways to do it. Ideally, the gold-plated, you know, position of mastery would be for, for both you and your partner to sit down and do this. So as a potential starting point, and some of you people might even be up to this, uh, a starting point, do, do it on your partner. L learn something about your partner so you can you can log on to the credit code, get the report about their, about their villain code, and actually understand for you about how better to manage some of the traits that drive you a little bit nuts about your partner. Those repetitive traits... And, and, and look, I think you're right um, um, about the complexity of who we are. And what we know from personality, Michael, is, is that there are still patterns within that. So there is still, when I'm under stress and pressure, there's only a certain series of things that I go to and do. There's not, a, there's not, a, not, a, um, there's not an array of 100 things that I do. There might be 100 things within the pattern, but there's not 100 patterns that actually are kind of going on here. So step one could be for your own self-development and if this, if this partner is important to you and you want to have a bit of fun, um, go, and, go and answer the questions because they're basically in terms of does your partner do this, does your partner do that, and then actually kind of take some learnings about about them that could be an easy place to start of course some people mightn't even be at that point where they're actually kind of going i don't even need to know anything about myself so there's enough free online tools to you know to explore the you know the, the you know the, the myers-briggs um um you know the peterson stuff there's lots of great tools out there to kind of do that but as a starting point you might actually kind of go i want to understand a little bit more about my, why my partner does certain things and i want to know privately about how better i can manage that for me as a starting point, because it really drives me insane every time they restack the dishwasher.
And I don't understand what that's about. I've actually, and then of course we have a fight. What, don't you think I'm good enough to stack the dishwasher? I'm quite successful. Don't you know this? Don't you know that? Then we're debating about, you know, we're, we're ruining the evening, if not the relationship based on stacking the dishwasher. And wouldn't it be great to know how better I might react to that? Yeah, and I would guess, Warren, it's never about the dishwasher, is it? It's never about the dishwasher. And by the way, you know, I, it's easy for me to terminate this relationship and then move on. But, you know, it, it, I've already attracted one dishwasher stacker into my life. The probability is I'll probably attract another one. And, of course, you know, when you, when, when, you, know, when you get past your 20s and your 30s where you're, where, where you're uh, you know, invincible, you actually kind of look back and kind of go, I think I could have been a bit smarter about that. I've, I've had relationships with about 10 dishwasher stackers and none of them have worked out, right? Perhaps it's me. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, and that, that's such a funny thing to have is that experience of, of reconciling the fact that it actually might be you. You might be the problem. And, yeah. and that, that what I think is really beautiful about that, however, is that when you have acknowledgement, it gives you the ability to framework a new understanding, to change a, a belief, to, to step into a new identity, to, to create a new framework and parameter of who you are. Because as you know, the, the brain is so plastic. There's so much Spot ability on. for you to Spot change on. and shape. But if you don't bring attention to it, it'll never be different. And and I think that, yes, of course, there's always this thing where you go, well, what is my attachment style? Why do I get in, why do I get in controlling relationships? Why do I get in relationships where I'm invisible? Why do I do all these things? And like, obviously you can tie so much back to this in being your developmental years, your experiences with your own parents, the models that you have yep. of relationships, you know, when you were in your developmental stages. And ultimately like, you can get into this place where you're assessing your life and your relationships and not judging yourself, but instead just trying to make meaning of it so that you can continue to move forward and more so so that you can have something better or different on. on the other side. Because I think about this, you know, you put your two or three times, you're going to know not to do that anymore because there's the physical pain of it. But in, in relationships, whether they're in career or work or, or, or life or partners, friendships, whatever it may be, often the only time that we ever see that our hands on the stove is in retrospect. So Spot if you on. can come in and do one of these, you know, quizzes, tests, I get into it with someone who can reflect and mirror that to you, man, I'm, I'm telling you, it, it's so beneficial. And so for people who are like on, on their seat about should I, should I not do this? I'm curious. I think you should just go for it and see what happens. Uh, Warren, my friend, this has been a, an absolutely phenomenal conversation. I want to ask you a couple more questions. Absolutely. The first question is, what do you think is the biggest that people have about relationships in general? Um, I, I think the greatest misconception is to some degree, and we're kind of coming out of an era around this, but, you know, all, you know, love conquers all and I will find the one. And, and, while while I don't philosophically disagree with that, but the you know that's going to require work. That's going to require you know to some degree us um, learning about ourselves, investing in ourselves, um, relationships, whether they're personal relationship, friend relationships, are going to create conflict. They're going to be messy and not going to be easy. So I think this 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 great 
great concept is is if I just put a really great, really great photo on social and um, uh, you know look good, and and um, that's going to cover ninety percent of it. And 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 away we go. Now I know that to some degree the experimental years and the fun years that's what it's about, which I would totally agree. But um, it's very much is about learning about ourselves as much as learning about the other person. The moment that you're actually trying to seek your wholeness and who you are in someone else, it's fraught with danger. And, and you know, as I think back, you know, as I think back when I was a young fella, I said that was what it was all about, right? That was the, that was the whole journey. And there's, so if we can actually accelerate the, that, yeah, there's got to be something in it for, for you as the individual. But it also is about learning about yourself along the way. Otherwise, you will consistently, <clears throat> excuse me, be putting your hand on the same stove every six, 12 months, five years, and actually kind of going, I cannot believe I'm getting burnt. And all of our friends are just giggling themselves off a chair because here goes Warren again. Mm. Yeah, there, there's so much power in introspection and in personal development and trying to figure this out. And, you know, it's it's incredible to me, like the, the deeper I get into understanding myself, the more I understand about the world. And, you know, I think that that's such a big part of this process is the willingness to first and foremost be vulnerable with yourself. Warren, before I ask you my last question, can you tell everybody where they can find out more about you and the Critter Code? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, pretty simple. Um, all the dots, www.criticode.com. You can find us on uh, on Instagram at, uh, at Criticode uh, and at Facebook at uh, Criticode HQ. So we've got some, uh, we're doing actually a countdown, to, a countdown to Christmas at the moment, countdown to the holiday season, where we talk about every critter, about what their special um, uh, Christmas focus will be both fun and annoying. So we've tried to make this a real pile of fun. So um, uh, criticode.com uh, and uh, for, and I'll, and I'll get this across to you in an email too, Michael. We've got, uh, uh, so we've written a, Karen and I have written a book about the Criticode as well as doing the quiz. And uh, uh, we've also got a code, that, uh, Unbroken 21, that if your people um, uh, get on and, and pay and do the test, they'll also get a free copy of the book. So I'll send that across to you in an email so that we can uh, so that you can put that up on um, uh, as this gets shared across your network. Absolutely. And we will put all of the links in the show notes, of course, and everywhere for people to come and take this test because I highly encourage it. My last question for you, Warren, my friend, is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? Uh, look, it, it means to be absolutely uh as best as what we pos as best as what I possibly can to be to be uh, uh, vulnerable and honest, um, and you know to do that to be you know consistently um, challenging myself to my living my values am I am I doing the things that that I believe in, am I am I doing that in the most courageous and vulnerable way that I can do it. Hmm. Beautifully said, my friend. Warren, thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review 
rate and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.